0: you've got endless confidence (laughs) all we need to do is pick up that conversation that you started on friday all right so the reason why we're recording an introduction today is because of what yeah well somebody
1: got in touch a couple of different bits of feedback were that oh it's really great i'm really enjoying the podcast and then getting that feedback from those people but mainly then they're going yeah but we don't actually really know who you all are and um That's that's
0: something we'd like to know a little bit more about. So we're recording this bit now, just to cover a little bit of that, because we're terrible at format at the minute, so we can introduce ourselves now before we get into the actual podcast itself. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. You first.
2: I'm uh, Alex Bondin, and I'm uh, one half of Everything is User Experience, a user experience uh, strategy consultancy, and uh, myself and Dan, I'll let him introduce himself in a bit, are here on the podcast to champion the, I would say, the user uh, in everything to do with the Zero Ambition podcast. We see the built environment as a really worthy cause, and we want to put to good use everything that we know about user-centered design in communications for the good of the built environment.
0: Now, so we used to work in investment industry marketing, branding, communications, and we decided to apply what we'd learned there, slightly further downstream of finance, to the built environment. And we also work with impact startups and a little bit with the investment industry still, some of the nice people pushing hard in ESG-related stuff. But we are very focused on built environment, applying user-centred research to marketing, branding, communications, messaging, just making sure the right message gets out. A bit like what Adrian and Bill on the episode the other week do for buildings. We aspire to do that for communications. It was mad how similar, how they describe themselves working. It was mad how similar the process is to how we do stuff and uh, as well as being half of everything he's used to experience i co-founded the magazine that became passive house plus with jeff Colley. so we know each other and how he dragged us into this with duncan smith who presumably every listener's heard of because everyone seems to have heard of him
1: sarah yeah i'm um i'm an architect um And that becomes less and less relevant, I feel like, every day in what I'm doing now these days. But I'm a coordinator in the Architects Climate Action Network. I'm one of the founders of HEAL, which is called, which stands for Home Energy Action Lab, and basically just really, really passionate about domestic retrofit, how we have this big problem. But actually it's a really huge opportunity engaging communities and everybody from the bottom up just as much as it is from creating policy and deliverables from the top down
0: I think that's it really I don't really think I've got much more to say well I mean this wasn't we don't need to go into all the detail this is just a little bit of a placeholder until we work out what the format actually is yeah all right so should we cut this and let it get back into the podcast then yeah <laughs> But I think maybe it would be a good
1: idea for, yeah, um, yeah if Alex, if you wanted to start reading
0: out, we yeah. can talk about anything, like go where the conversation. You can talk okay. about your holidays up to. I know. I'm
1: getting. I'm getting sweaty here. <laughs> not at all. Not. I've realised I'm so excited to like what I'm going to hear. I've so been
3: yeah. doing something really cool today so I want to share that. Cool. So what have you been doing today then? We had Tigers in and Morgan Sindel they've got um, a modern apprenticeship so we had modern apprenticeship students in to do some low carbon learning. So got actual
0: Tigers? No, not real Tigers.
1: No, it's funny that you mentioned Tigers, Trina <laughs> you know, because I was just this afternoon watching the, the was it a National Apprentice Week from 2021 and Tigers yeah. were there talking about that and I was watching that uh, back. Just yeah. a, so it's, a, it's apprenticeship
3: week this week. So it just, okay. uh, finish it off. We had them in. And they weren't just doing low carbon learning um training. They were also doing some mindfulness and some stuff about digital construction and drone with drones outside. So it was great.
1: Oh, it's amazing because um the person that was speaking at, on that recording that I was watching from Tigers was talking about the importance of training the individual and understanding the people that you're asking to this job and not just about like creating more numbers to deliver work, but actually that you're talking about developing skills and the whole person as well, which is just Mm -hmm. like actually a really radical thought and really, exciting like to think that that's where we're at when we're talking about this so that was I mean they're really I
3: mean Brian Carmichael he's he is fantastic, and they're also really about as you say the person but you know a lot of these people are kind of maybe lost their way at school and things and they're so they're just now they're just getting a kind of holistic vision into construction but they they don't know what area they want to go into but also bring them to the factory allows them to see all the stuff we do around modern methods of construction and you know digital Construction, so there's so many opportunities within construction that they can find out about. It's great.
1: But it, that's a it's a wholesale sort of refreshingly new way of talking around apprenticeships and upskilling and all of that because you know from my experience growing up apprenticeships happened down in that like college over there that nobody really had any engagement with and didn't yeah. really know didn't hear anything after that and the yeah. notion that it is actually front and center and at the forefront of what we're do- talking about like modern, modern methods of construction and um, yeah and being these almost climate heroes you know like working yeah. uh-huh. out there uh-huh. and, and having choice and opportunity and seeing where they want to take it and how far to expand it it's just really exciting I think
3: yeah I've just you know even just having sort of conversations with them saying what area what have you liked what have you seen that you like and and then when we're you know in the factory and they're doing the, the air tightness taping and t- and so it's really it's just great to see them getting all involved in, in that aspect and you know we had actually during COP as well we had a kind of similar group from the Ridge which is again kind of people that maybe lost their way and they're coming back in, into employment and some I mean some of them were their um, airtightness uh, taping and it was absolutely metic- meticulous you know <laughs> so it's just like some people have got a real niche, niche
2: up, uh, for it. Alex jump in. Okay, right. So today we're talking to Katrina Jordan, the head of retrofit programs at Construction Scotland Innovation Centre. Katrina is a chartered architect holding a master's degree in architecture from Robert Gordon University. Having worked in practice for several years, in 2011, she began work as a lecturer in architecture at the city of Glasgow College. She has experience working on projects with both the public and private sectors, including listed buildings refurbishments, commercial office design, school projects and domestic dwellings. Katrina has worked on a range of funded projects such as inclusive value, Offsite Ready and E M I C G E M, Embracing Module Innovation in Construction, Getting Education Modernized. Katrina's passion is in low carbon programs, including the training and upskilling in passive house, Enfit and retrofit. There we go. Cool. Good.
1: <laughs> well, let's just should we just get into the conversation around all of that? Because that was a lot. So welcome Katrina. It's really great that you've um, had some time to come and talk to us. and um, we're very keen to hear more about what is happening at the Construction Scotland Innovation Centre. Um
3: Do you want to tell us a little bit more? Yeah, fantastic. And thank you so much for inviting me along. So I'm really excited to be um, here. Yeah, so we've been doing um, a lot of upskilling and reskilling. And initially it was Passive House Standards and we started a funded project through a National Transition Training Fund, which was funded through Scottish Funding Council back about a year ago actually. So and that was to just to upskill and reskill and passive house standards. So we there's a specific remit. So the National Transition Training Fund came sort of the fallout of COVID to get uh, people that are maybe displaced or at risk of redundancy, you know, construction industry can be such a, a transient industry, and to get people back into employment, but also to upskill and reskill. And the remap that was there, they had to be in that sort of position or um, and over 25 and reside in Scotland to meet the funding requirements. So, initially, we tried to scope out, you know, what, what how can we approach this project and what what's training can we deliver that's really meaningful to people so we looked at you know being a lecturer I understand that people learn differently so you know people learn in immersive environments people learn in face-to-face environments and everyone everybody learns differently so give that give people that opportunity to learn which which way suits them best essentially so we looked at creating interactive learning modules in in passive house so real you know introduction level modules into passive house that was online we have a a learning management system on our, our website so you can go in create an account and carry out these modules so before you maybe go and take any of the the accredited learning in passive house you could do these modules so one covered intro introduction the other ones was just covering the five principles of passive house and then a slightly more technical one so we developed them approaching experts within that field so we're not necessarily developing that content we're we're going to experts so working with industry and and academia together so we um, looked at edinburgh napier university so there's julio bros williamson he created a lot of the modules in gokai davici from robert gordon University, But we also wanted to deliver practical training as well. So we, had, we wanted to deliver Passive House training rigs, which we created in the Innovation Centre, and we designed them with John Gilbert Architects. So we've got four training rigs in the centre, all timber frame, because we really like timber here at Construction Scotland Innovation <laughs> Centre. <laughs> so, um, so one being CLT. Um, one just, I would always say traditional timber frame because I like, I like to say that. Um, a zip panel and uh, the G.I. Joyce, which is the Passive Hoose designed by
1: John Gibb Architect. So these are like, that's such so, a great name. By the way, that is such a great name. <laughs> Every time I hear passive, I
3: know. <laughs> So they're about, um, I'm trying to think about sizes, they're about maybe three by two metres. So they're, you know, they're sizable and they've got kind of roofs. And so people can actually go in and there's, there's lots of learning behind them that can take place about the different kind of detailing and but practical activities can take place in them as well. So we developed those rigs and then we approached WARM To they deliver the AACV contractor training. So they deliver the training for us online. So they do three mornings online and then followed up by a practical session at the centre. And that actually puts someone in a position where they can go on and qualify to be a, a pacifist tradesperson. So we actually, through that funding, we actually have just put um, 15 people through the tradesperson exam so it's really fantastic so people kind of carried out the full journey and now they're certified so it's really great and we hope to do more of that with warm yeah and they're really fantastic we're really working really well with them in the practical training aspects as well you know we hope to just continue this continue this relationship beyond the funding and you know they see our, our centre as the kind of place where they can deliver deliver that practical training so the, the rigs are really fantastic and what we also did with john gilbert Architects and their company, digital knots they we created immersive learning it um, was called mixed reality so um, augmented reality and virtual reality <laughs> that's, that's the term and we've got HoloLens, HoloLens 2 headsets so they, they, a learner can put that on they scan the QR code on the rig so there's four QR codes on the rig so one at the window one at the window head um windowsill um, one it kind of ceiling level, foundation level, and wall, and when you scan the QR code, the the passive house detail comes out, and it's all labelled and annotated, and you know you can pull it apart so you can see every kind of layer in the build up. So it's really a great. I mean, it engages young people, and um, and we've also done like diagrams with heat movement and things as well, so you can see uh. where the heat moves. So that was all. You know, Hugo, who works at Jungle Architects, you know, he was really integral to to help and design that with with the digital knots as well so that's that's another thing we have at the centre so if you've ever come please come and <laughs>
1: it's funny it. that you say if you ever come because what I'm noticing like building and myself listening to you talk is this like Oh my God, that sounds so exciting. That sounds so interesting. And I mean, we've got loads of questions to ask you about, um, you know, what is the shortfall in the skills um, that we're all talking about when we're addressing the problem of of sort of retrofitting and low carbon um, building and things like that. But um, it's it's that attractive the way you were describing it, what's going on. It just seems to me like that that's a message that needs to be like spread really far because when we, and we were talking before the, podcast about like my lived experience of what being an apprentice is or what training on the job like with the tools was was very very different and it's probably quite an outdated kind of notion of what that is to be if I had known it was this or if it had been this when I was facing like will I go to university or will I become an apprentice it would most likely have been I'll take the apprentice route please because that sounds amazing like very engaging Um, and plus I think the other thing that I'm really fascinated to hear more about is this approach to what sounds more like the curation of the content so like you go to the people who know and you yep. pull people together so you mentioned warm and you mentioned jga um yep. and bringing them together and and allowing that to sort of allow you to be right there at the forefront of that because i know john gilberts are developing all sorts of of, of tools and knowledge that they're willing to share openly yep. and warm as well um but to be able to bring them together means that you don't have to spend the time starting from scratch again
3: yeah
1: and that's because great because urgency is a problem
3: isn't it yeah exactly definitely you know we we that's what we kind of clearly identified that we, we're not creating we're not going to create the content we're going to facilitate that because there is experts that are working in these areas and I mean it did take a little bit of time to you know find find the right people but we've really got a really great uh, network now that we work with because we've now expanded into this low-carbon learning, which has now expanded into Retrofit. So we're really working closely with Barbara. She's designing currently designing our Retrofit training rig, and we're doing immersive learning through 360 Capture on Nidre Road just now, and we're just prototyping that at the moment. Um, so no, really, really, really helpful um, to just make sure we've got the right, the right connections.
1: So there, there's no doubt that there's... Um... Sounds like a great program of of training and in very different fields as well within the, the sphere of what we're talking about um, and the way that you've done that. Um, I'm interested a little bit around and how much you know about the numbers of, of hands of people that we need moving into this industry and how you access them, as well as what happens when they've completed, because it sounds brilliant that they've gone, like a lot of your apprentices have gone the whole way through and come at the other end. Are there jobs for them? Is there the demand for the people who are coming through? Like, what's that flow? What's that flow look like? Yeah,
0: and also, like, apprenticeships, as you were alluding earlier, like, when I was growing up, no one wanted to do an apprenticeship. That was Blair's government sending us all to university. Now, it feels like the the landscape might have changed, but are apprenticeships being valued more, like, in and of themselves?
3: (laughs) think we we want them to be you know there there is that st- there's still that stereotype there yes but there's so much so many opportunities you know with going into that apprenticeship level like yeah. level I mean the, I think I mean I don't know it's the top of my head but it's over something like 200,000 isn't it you know um we need that we need, to, that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. um and it's 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 getting people in into that industries so when I when I lectured you know I lectured the kind of Professional subjects, so architectural technology and building surveying, and there, there was, you know, there was females in, in, in the classroom. But really, you know, in the apprenticeships, the, the the numbers are are low, and we have they had um, courses like women in construction, and that's still a thing because women still want to work, you know, don't want to be in a majority of males. And we had that actually with the passive house training. You know, um, a female contacted me and said, "Is it all? You know, is there going to be any females? Because I don't feel comfortable going on that course if it's just all males." So it's just it's still got to break down those barriers. They're still there, but I think there's there's so much opportunity and you know and it's also about it doesn't it shouldn't be about your kind of what you've done previously it's what it's what's coming now Uh, and and we really are at that kind of moment where I really feel like things are really changing even with the the passive house training that we've been doing like initially at first it was a lot of professionals that were coming through the course, and there's maybe done their passive house designer training and saying oh you know it's kind of stagnant for a while and I just want a refresh but now we're getting so many contractors coming and saying well you know but I think that's because they've got these they've got these passive house projects and they're like we need to upskill the whole whole team so now it's really starting to grow and also before we were kind of even a year ago we were like reaching out to people whereas now they're reaching out reaching out there's definitely change so are you
0: you looking for audiences like less conventional audiences so not looking for lads who are coming straight out of school like where are you looking for because what sarah said about the pipeline is really interesting because you've got to set a long thing up because it's got to last as well it can't just be one hit and then you're out
3: yeah exactly and it's got it's got to start at the the very like school level as well and we do need like we know we know that diverse and diverse people working together has a better output than this you know that that same type of person so that's yeah we are really we do need it i think
1: but I, I think I'm, I'm just, um, in our in the, in the notes that we shared ahead of this, um, I know that the Scottish government have committed a um, £100 million green jobs fund over the next five years. That's got to be a key part of the puzzle, right? Because I'm seeing parallels between that and what the Irish government have done, which is to secure multi-annual funding for the grants in place for their national retrofit scheme. When you see something like this about this fund that is looking to invest over a number of years that just that gesture in itself just that that fact gives confidence doesn't it so when you know that there is backing behind this influx of of people being trained then you can start to trust in the workforce that that's creating and then you want to get involved in that as well as other parts of the industry do you think that's a key part in in how you're seeing people coming to you now
3: yeah definitely I have this the yeah, that's definitely happening. And that's probably why people are incentivified incentivized to start to move towards undertaking this training and things like the, you know, the just transition. Um, so that's, you know, the kind of greener, fairer future for all, you know, should really be behind behind that and it is promoting that. So adapt that, that that the whole kind of thinking behind that is, you know, adapting existing skills, you know, reskilling, maybe reskilling entirely entirely, sorry. And then we've also got the climate um, emergency skills action plan as well, which really sets out what what is needed in the, in the industry as well. It's
1: really so sensible on so many levels, and then just so inspiring to see it happening. You know, the fact that you're this is happening in Scotland, you're doing this. There's commitment there. You've you've got things initiatives happening. People are collaborating, and then you're having this. You're you're addressing this skills shortage like it's actually happening. The scale you mentioned earlier, we know that. There's however many, um, 200,000. Is that what we said? I don't want to be picking it up plus. right now. <laughs> 200,000 mm-hmm. plus. <laughs> um, what capacity do you as an organization have? And how does that also need to upscale? So, do we need 10 Construction Scotland Innovation Centers or are you guys good to handle it?
3: Sorry, I've just got this. It's half 22, thousand 22, roles in Scotland. Yeah. Okay, 20, not two. No.
1: Not, Not two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's just my Friday in my, <laughs> I just had to double check that. I was like, I me that said I so probably put the heart crossways in so many people there by saying what. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have yes, got two thousand. There's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, and we have like we have plans to grow, um, particularly in the retrofit. But in terms of brass tacks, getting down to details, like in terms of the numbers, because. We are talking about these big, scary numbers of how many homes need to be retrofitted or how many people that we need to deliver this um, transition. What are those sorts of numbers like? And do you see yourselves being able to scale drastically year on year? Is it already happening? Have you had proof of that?
3: I mean, yeah, the numbers that we're kind of upskilling at the moment are, you know, we've got kind of targets at five hundred, you know, in retrofit. So yeah, we need we do need to grow and we need to grow quickly and at scale. So that is a is a big challenge. We have big plans here at Construction Scotland Innovation Centre to 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 be that to be that kind of support network for industry so you know there's so many different training providers here that are delivering you know like the retrofit academy the AECB, you know and even i know john gill architects are keen to get into training as well in some aspects so if we can just we're our, we're our main goal is to support the industry so if we can support that and and hopefully it'll grow it'll grow from there and also sorry we also want to support you know colleges and universities and, and up-skilling. So so things like train the trainers, you know that not we don't need to train everybody, you know that's not our role. But if we upskill the trainers, and then then they can then carry out that training to to the learners.
2: Um, to carry on exactly on that point, actually, um, I'd be really interested to find out more about the the people. So who are the people who require training, and, and what are their needs?
3: So yeah, I think initially. This particular, you know, the National Transition Training Fund is is really specific. It's they've got to be over 25 and they have to um, reside in Scotland. So that's kind of the remit. So that that is, you know, initially we thought construction workers. That's our that's our area um, that we are targeting. We've really had a lot of professionals coming through coming through the training. So I think depend like we how we've kind of approached it. Is it depends on what the training is. So if it's um, an introductionary level, we're aiming that. At people who you know have very limited knowledge of the construction industry, and then we can recommend so people kind of sign up to us and register their interest, and then we can recommend courses. So if people say, oh, I want to do the retrofit coordinator course, but well, that's not maybe, but the stepping stones to that to, to achieve in that course as well. And also, our funding doesn't cover sort of under 25s, but we're you know upskilling the train. so today's like what we did today we were upskilling the trainers at at that session as well so although the apprenticeships were there and undertaking that training it's more it's more for the trainers to then be able to go and and kind of train further
1: so almost by default you're reaching that next generation you know if you if if you've got your limit at like applicants by this part of funding can only be 20 like have to be 25 but by the time they've had their training and move into the professional life that that leads them to they're then delivering those skills you know, and passing them down to wherever they then work from, I suppose.
3: Yeah, and we're we're developing like um just the small training rigs, you know, the kind of cube size with kind of instructional packs, so that they can go around kind of across across the Scotland because we've got quite a lot of remote areas in Scotland where a trainer where they can't come to our centre. We've got to take the training training to them as well, and really trying to reach the sort of highlands and islands and outreach outreach there as well. So it's such a good question. Like, who, who needs upskilled? I mean. We all, we all do essentially <laughs> don't we like oh, and it's definitely it's just trying to find it's trying to find the right training for for that person you know and that's why we're trying to offer a range of training but keep it really focused on on key areas
2: who would you say that you you you're focusing on the most and i know that's a tough sort of decision but who who, who who, because you can't do you can't train everyone so who do you focus on we're definitely focusing on construction workers contractors mm-hmm. that's a, that's our main area and basically where we're
3: getting our, our most interest from at the moment and particularly a lot of contractors are winning a lot of past house projects or mm-hmm. projects and they're just and they're you know they're fully on board and Actually, the other day, which we haven't had. Well, no, we have, but on a, in a larger scale Clark of works. So they're just like, we, we've got this Passive House project. We, we just want to go through that training. Even like professionals who who maybe are, are working on these projects, coming back and going through the, through that training as well.
0: Yeah, the Passive House thing I find really interesting because like a Passive House project's really dear. But well, is anyone approaching it like in advance, like upscaling yeah. to start selling Passive House? And what sort of person is... Is asking for it. Like, in addition to the people who've already got a project, what sort of person yeah. is coming to you trying to learn about the subject from scratch? Because it is... Yeah, it's it's quite simple, a, a lot of
3: students smaller smes that are actually that don't have they they don't ha- necessarily have the you know what's really important is time and you know cost so we're taking away the cost from people and we're kind of giving them fixed time so that it kind of forces people to do <laughs> to do it but so it would be like small SME smes that would come and say we want to upskill and they don't maybe have so we just put someone through a tradesperson exam and he, he was a joiner and he's not got any kind of experience he's not working in any passive house but now he's like i've got that skill i've got that you know accreditation and that qualification hopefully I can start looking for pacifist projects and I think he also knew a few you know that he said such and such council are going to do so I can maybe start to tender for, for them as well so well this
0: is it like, this what is like motivating them that's the the bit yeah, I'm interested in. I think I know what has
3: motivated them is it just the climate emergency or is it just the kind of the buzz that's going around in, in that social media piece
1: I think it's um interesting about what you said there in terms of um the accessibility of the training as well because it's good, it's fine if you can invest in training, but it's generally time consuming and costly if it's done in a way that is like, here's the whole thing and you have to learn the whole thing. Um, but almost modularizing it and making it more, well, I'll take that little bit. I'll do that. That's a two day thing. And I can, we can work around that and we can tag that on and build on it and, and approach it that way. Is, is there, is, is that sort of a, flexibility built into the kind of training that that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, we do.
3: Yeah, because we do webinars. So we do kind of one month. Uh, one a month webinars and they're always just like an hour sort of hour long so keep that keep that bite size with well, the way we've approached the ACB carbon light training is we do one alternate month so we do an online and then we do a practical we do an online practical so and we also give them the flexibility so we say okay if you've, you've missed the online you can still do the practical and go back to the online you don't need to do both of them you can do one or the other you just won't get the accreditation you know you won't be able to go forward and do the. so they know the, the kind of boundaries and what what they're able to achieve and like the, for example a lot of people want the retrofit coordinator you know they're you know I want to be a retrofit coordinator and then okay the reality is that's me having to dedicate quite a lot of time okay I need to go to my employer so that's been a little bit more difficult but we've managed to get a kind of focused group that are able to now take time out to actually undertake that course so it's it's trying to find a balance and and also we're doing the ACB but through Duncan Mm -hmm. um, retrofit course and that's again a kind of different it's more um, coursework rather than sort of regular webinars and the, and they can do that in their own time so it's just making sure that people can can accommodate the time and sometimes I can be too flexible but I just would work work with these people to make sure that you know they can they can achieve it. I think that's you give people opportunities cuz you know don't make it too difficult for people don't put it's, obstacles in people's way. Oh, so. It's
1: exactly that. It's taking the obstacles away, isn't it? I've been d- undergoing huge amounts of different bits of training here and there to just really understand personally and professionally what is out there and what needs to happen. And some of it is far more accessible than mm-hmm. other parts of it. Other parts of it is just one obstacle after another, whether it's cost, whether it's duration, whether it's complexity, whether it's the method of teaching. And so I almost feel like I'm using myself as a guinea pig at the minute. But the accessibility bit and the modularization of it and the, as much as it might feel like, oh, there's a lot to manage it's key to answering some of the other questions that we were talking about a bit earlier about around who are the people. And there's a lot of we're trying to talk a lot more about accessing people that don't feel comfortable and like calling a spade a spade it's women mm-hmm. and underrepresented groups which is a great shame because actually it isn't you don't necessarily need to be this like traditional view of a builder, big, barely able to carry stuff. It isn't about, yeah. as you've described in some of the ways of the training that you're doing. So making it accessible ought to also see a change in accessibility and who is able to to get to those things. I suppose what would be great would be how we get that message out wider, because the way yeah. you've described what's available Is very exciting. And I can see a lot of young women and people who would otherwise not consider themselves for a role in the construction industry being very attracted to that.
3: Yeah, Um, no, definitely. And we really, that's something that we really want to work on is our our, our outreach and how how we are, you know, getting people onto the course. And we want, you know, if we want to continue this and expand it, then we need to have a system in place that, you know, we have a continual, continually people enrolling and and being motivated to undertake the course undertake the training
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's something I feel that lots of people are realizing they may have not interacted with as well as they might have done so because I suppose it's harder to quantify and it's harder to measure those sort of bits about how you tell the story or what the messaging is around this or how you what's the social dimension because again coming back to this numbers coming back to the numbers in the urgency we need it to be so much broader than it has historically been. I think that's probably the thing, isn't it? It's like it becoming something that people would automatically more likely think about putting themselves into
0: that situation. Well, it's it's not just new people. It's people who are being displaced by change in the industry. Mm. So like we've got these targets Mm. to get rid of gas boilers. We've got rocketing gas prices, volatility in the market. And so that's going to affect all of the people employed throughout that industry. And they're Mm. not necessarily going to be, I mean, this is something Alex and I were talking about. Like, and Duncan as well, the old industrialist in him. He, <laughs> he's been quite concerned because it's not, I mean, it's not as dramatic, but it's not in dissimilar the, the miners industries being decimated. And like these fellas, they're not necessarily going to be fit for heat pumps. It's not a natural transition. It's just such a different set of skills. Yeah. I mean, you guys looking at that as a, a going concern.
3: Yeah, we are looking at it and it's actually something that we are we just had a conversation about last week is is about the next the, the sort of services aspect because that's something we've not really ventured into. Um, and we're going to do a bit of scope and mapping about how who is doing what in that space about you know upskilling in that particular area and reskilling and retraining and how can we support and what what can we do to support because it's a uh, there's also someone that sort of said to me, you know if you think about the retrofit coordinator and who's going to take on that role, and there's all these sort of debates going around. You know, it's got to be a professional person, and it's got if they're doing another type of role, you know, designing, <laughs> designing, or what. Build, you know building surveyors whatever they're doing that particular role then who who is going to carry out that role as the retrofit coordinator so you could think about is it people that are coming towards the end of their career is it clerk of works who have that that full life technical experience that can then reskill and retrain
0: oh so are you are you analyzing or is anyone analyzing this information about the types of i mean this is this is what alex and i do isn't it as user experience <laughs> people like yes. Who were they used? Like he help me with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a party last night, a whole bunch of people. No, fuck you've not met, so it's who are you? How are you doing? What do you oh, do? All that sort of stuff. And I kept talking to people, I say I kept, a few times. So I don't know, hello Horatio, hello Ben. I passed on the podcast to them. So they were interested in heat pumps and passive house, you know. It was surprising to see people's eyes light up because they they were aware of but uh, one of the chaps I spoke to, he said he'd been looking for a heat pump and He'd been told by the seller that he'd need to insulate his house properly before they would install a heat pump. And he came away from that experience feeling a bit confused and a bit aggrieved because he'd read elsewhere that a heat pump is suitable for any house without proper reference to... You know, the the measures that should be put in place to make it really viable so it isn't consuming more carbon energy, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point of what I'm getting at is the heat pump engineer or seller's bedside manner was somewhat lacking. Like his communication his communication in making the offer and helping the customer to understand what what the situation was was a bit lacking. I mean, is this something that's been addressed at all?
1: I think that's a really mean question. <laughs> Why do you mean? Well, no, uh, because like, actually, we're, before we can really talk about how people are delivering the message, I don't think enough people know what it is that they're selling and how they're doing that, which I'm going to annoy Alex
0: now by jumping in with a counter question to Dan's question. Well, no, no, that's what I mean. I like, it's, it's a difficult thing. <laughs> like, it, it's not an easy thing. So, are people being helped to uh, communicate about these things because of the discourse is polluted. Like, there's a lot of anti heat pump discourse by fossil fuel lobby there's a lot of chat about hydrogen which is a preposterous solution full stop there's problems with understanding whether your renewable electricity is actually renewable generated electricity like there are all sorts of people trying to do little bits of stuff to help people understand better but i wonder whether within the training at the start of the process people are being helped to understand how to talk about this stuff at all or being given the tools to well
3: that's something that alex and i had did have a conversation about didn't we we are going to work on and that and how, you know, how once you've got that knowledge and understand and how do you then re- relay it and make sure that you're clear. And I think, you know, it's about, you know, you're talking about all these, there's all these different opinions and statistics as well. But I think it's for me, what I think is really important is keeping it simple And keeping it very, like, formative and, you know, the facts. These are the facts and then you can make a decision based on on this. So it's how you break that down. But, yeah, I think that's something that we would love to focus on is how you how somebody can then relay that information
2: well the, the thing i wanted to ask so i, I got there before you sarah was That's about all right <laughs> the, the customers because i think i mean one of the things that i'm always really interested in is, is understanding i think there needs to be a common language that this is exactly what we're discussing to help the end customer not have the bad bedside manner you were discussing that but do you think the constructor scotland mm-hmm. innovation center will one day actually have a like maybe not quite a module for for a customer or a consumer, but maybe start creating or maybe already has created content for 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 the the people like us, like Dan and I, who are not really experts. You know, we're we're very much the, the consumer type in the in the audience role.
3: Yeah, no, I think uh, definitely it's something we're look we're looking at, and we're also we've not in my area, but we've won a a, a recent project which is a heat cluster building, and it's about. Um, It's about that sort of upskilling and disseminating kind of knowledge about sort of heat around heat pumps and. And that will be through webinars and kind of awareness raising as well. But I think, yeah, well, it's really important because you speak to, like, you speak to your friends and they're talking about um, the kind of electricity prices and and th- there's missing links there. They don't understand the connections and why why things are happening. So that it, that is really important to join up those links. But we know it's something we're we're mindful of.
1: I mean, I think the reason that I. I was saying that I feel like it's a mean and unfair question is because we're kind of latching on to what Construction Scotland Innovation are doing and seeing like, oh yeah, but there's also this gap and there's this gap. So are you doing that? Are you fixing that? And actually, uh. we've got to take one step back and recognise that climate literacy isn't even on the curriculum. Like, I mean, maybe it is in Scotland, sure. but it isn't even on the curriculum here. Okay, And it is to some degree, and, and understanding buildings is up more on the Irish curriculum, as Jeff was explaining to us a couple of weeks ago. So there's this g- gaps in people's knowledge anyway, which is the responsibility of the state, because there's so much that we have to do. You've got to have that in people's minds so that they're aware that this is something that they do need to be a- addressing. So I think there's definitely things there that are almost one step before the job of Construction Scotland Innovation, other organisations like mm. you, which is about that. But then I think through addressing that lack of awareness and education, training, appropriate training is is um, possible, I think, because we're talking about, you know, installers and we're talking about coordinators and we're talking about dealing with people who have been on the tools for a long time, but those tools are changing or the things that they're installing are changing. But I really believe as well that the huge piece of this puzzle that's missing is the great swathe of assessors and advisors that we need in the first instance, because we're right at the forefront of all of this rollout when you look at the big picture of things. We don't have loads and loads of years of, of, of wide ranging experience to just roll out. We're not nearly ready mm-hmm. to just roll it out yet. So by changing people's um, interaction with this and by creating educational content for younger people, but also for those entrant, entry level people in this, into assessors, into educators, into advisors. Um, That then helps with disseminating that knowledge and that then helps with getting people understanding the basics of that. Because yeah, you could heat, you can heat a tent with a heat pump, just cost you an awful lot of money. It's on one level, all buildings are heat pump ready, but are they going to absolutely cripple the bill payer, yes, be, yeah, it it be efficient. I know. yeah. So it's understanding those things, and there's a lot out there because our government has just said, Let's just stick in a whole load of heat pumps, and everyone's like, Right, okay, let's do that without understanding why. What else is out there? What are we trying to achieve through that? What do we need to put in place first? Because that's not seen to be doing when you're assessing and understanding. You're not really doing as a politician, don't like that, but that's my cynicism coming through now. But yeah, so I guess I'm not asking you a question here because I think the question is for the government, really, why they haven't filled those gaps and why yeah, is it taking so long? Well, but, we know why, and there on. is,
3: and there, I was just going to say, and there is, you know, that we're just kind of talking about there needs to be sort of you've got that, that, that we're doing that pro, like kind of progress, pros, and then policy. You know, and then the strategy from that, and then and then we, we can move on from it. That's that's how how we see it. Um, but also like with the Scottish Scottish SQA Scottish Qualifications Authorities are going is going through a big a big shift at the moment, a big kind of uh, restructure reform. So these things are are important, and then you've got that the reports just about the Scot- Scotland's national strategy for economic transformation. So that's saying you know skilled populations fundamental. So these things are are coming, and our goal, like we obviously our mission is to support the industry accelerate to zero carbon. That's like that's what we do. That's our key mission. And one thing that we want to do is have a you know a, a retrofit hub. As well, so that we have this like central point that we can we can navigate people to the right place, the right you know what what they're looking for, and whether it is consumer or professional or tradesperson. So that they you know it's a portal that they can go to, and they, they say okay, this is what I'm doing, and they can just that that's our vision how we can how we see this being with all with all the kind of standard, the relevant um, key documents that are being utilised. You know things like the Leti guide and you know the ECB standard and all these you know the PAS. So that it's just easy, accessible.
1: It's um, great to hear that from an actual, realistically, it's 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 funded, it's in policy, it's it's there, it's happening. Because these are gaps that we're trying to fill in the in England, and the recognition that there's lots of people out there, there's lots of organisations like the ones that you've listed, all producing really good guidance and really good information, um, and it's trying to make that very accessible to people because. Yeah. As we sit and watch the government do nothing in this sphere down here, we know that we can't wait, hence the evolution of sort of more grassroots community-based models of delivering retrofit or advice or energy efficiency or solar you know all of those things coming up because we have to do that and in order to to try and get that movement really building we've got to bring all those voices together So that was kind of the purpose of what say for example wearing another hat and coordinator at um, ACAN, Architects Climate Action Network and just A couple of days ago, we had a rally down in Parliament Square, which was a collaboration of two other campaigns and then a roll call of all the organisations who support that call to sort of say, like, there is a voice here. This is wanted. It's wanted by the public. It's wanted by the industry. We just need a little extra support, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, from that. So it's really enthusiastic. It's really just wonderful to hear that the Scottish government is moving in that direction. It is putting its money where its mouth is.
3: Yeah, there's definitely good positive steps happening, I think.
0: So what Sarah was saying there about the deficit on the state side, we're not getting a lot of support, and you've got loads of private partners helping you out. You know, you you mentioned John Gilbert Architects and a whole heap of other people. Um, Alex and I, uh, we work with a, a AC White in Glasgow. Yeah. Who, they have their own like big retrofit firm. Excellent, absolutely fabulous people. They have a skills academy as well. Like the most interesting training work, you're partnered with these people, it is coming from private sector because well, I don't know why. Yeah. Certainly in the in England, the state's not really interested in helping out properly, as you can see by the petrol policy failures but um yeah where are you finding these partners and what do you think about that
3: yeah they are coming from the private sector <laughs> that's all right <laughs> i was gonna say publicly <laughs> <laughs> and we, we do we actually work with acy as well so yeah um i think because i think they rec- i mean i don't want to speak for them but they recognize that you know that there's not that there's no options but there's there's limited options and they oh. want to move this way and that, that this everything is going in in that direction and i suppose that's maybe to do with being competitive as well and they want to be kind of at front of the forefront of the trend I mean we're working one, one we've been working with Morrison Construction don't know if you uh, the steel, uh-huh. steel rig I don't know if was, so basically Passive House Solution for steel for steel frame and that was all on, on their own initiative this is a Alan Smith who's the kind of low carbon manager he's been leading that and working with three different designers and the supply chain to find Passive House solutions for steel for steel frame because there's so many limited buildings are steel frame so we have the rig out, outside in, in the center and we will use that we will use the all the learning for that for low carbon learning but they're you they're using it for to upskill the industry but the like Morrison's are like this is open source, so it's not just for them. It's like for their competitors, like here and you know Robertson
0: Construction yeah. as well, to come and use that. Yeah. Well, it's impact. remarkable, isn't it? You'd think people might be grasping to to hold it to themselves, but from no, the they're going sector, to
3: share everything. Yeah,
0: in a, in various sectors where commercial intelligence has often been closely held, folk are giving it away now, <laughs> gladly. Um, yeah. Where did you get the VR and AOS? Because Alex and I bicker about. Oh, Digital
3: Knots, they're fantastic. We work, we've worked with them before. Another project, which was immersive learning for construction detailing, essentially. So they're, they're actually they're just a, a really young innovative company, um, and they're fantastic. And they developed for us. It was called a project called convert and it was um using the the headsets and basically gaming for construction. Um, so it was like offsite site construction and industrial. Basically, like you pick the material, and then and then once you've done made all your decisions, then you kind of get feedback, saying, okay, this wasn't very sustainable because you used so much concrete or so much steel so yeah digital knots they're great
2: on, on that note um i was just reading your you know you did you deliver impact across four program or four areas of program which is digital transformation modern methods of construction sustainability and retrofit i'd like to find out more about digital transformation because is that what you're referring to when you're talking about the vr experience
3: yeah so that was yeah i suppose that sits in the digital construction so we we went through restructure sort of back in september and we're now four key areas of focus so my area is retrofit. We have modern methods of construction, digital and sustainability. So we would say like modern methods of construction is quite well established, it's, it's particularly in the centre. Retrofit is still new and growing and, and I suppose the digital is, is as well. So Lindsay Bridson, she heads up our digital area and at the moment she's doing a, quite a lot of uh, st- strategy work around looking at trying to partnership with Microsoft. We're, you know, looking at getting digital twins of our of our centers and and how digital construction can be really impactful and the support, and support in supporting the industry as well. So um, but please reach out to
2: her. She's fantastic. <laughs> I, I just wanted. To say, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit, but I was also. You keep mentioning those uh, training rigs. I'm quite curious to know more about them. Just, just because I, I can imagine what they are, but I thought it'd be really useful for for you yeah. to explain to us what what they are, because it's all about. Often we all think about training as being online now, but presumably, especially in, in retrofit, it's there's there's nothing quite standardised about a retrofit. You can't really you can deliver standardised approaches, but you can't do a standard retrofit. I don't believe anyway, and maybe that's something. That Sarah, you can tell us more about as well, and, and obviously Katrina, you're you're very much in, in that. But for me, a, a training rig is something that, in a sense, makes things very very structured. So my first question was actually just tell us about them, but I'd also like to understand how they how they help for, for from a training perspective. What how they de- deliver uh, training for retrofits? That's what I'm really curious
3: yeah. to know. So there's um we've got four four rigs well five if you include the steel one <laughs> and, and, so and just as I mentioned we've got one all timber frame construction so we've got CLT cross laminated timber Um, we've got timber frame construction and set panels so um, structurally insulated panels and then the final one um, which is the GI joist which is like i beams sort of thing mm. it's designed to passive it's called the passive hoose so basically uh, uh, John Gilbert architects have designed this in um, it's not Passive House standard, but it's close to as they're sort of for housing developments that they do. So that's that's one of their designs. So they designed them all and the rigs are just, just down, downstairs in the centre. So they are fitted with, you know, windows. They're all designed to the Passive House standard. And they're all, I think that they all have windows, like the triple glazed windows. And they've got all different roof types. So some are pitched, some are flat, um, some are lean-tos. And they're not fully completed because we, so we can show the, mm. some of the build-ups as well. And they've all got different, you know, different detailing to them as well. So the CLT one's got that really stretchy red stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, on it, and we and we can do air tightness testing in them as well. So we can demonstrate air tightness testing. So we have someone that a specialist that comes in and does and does that. And they're really used. We we, ha- we use them practically, so you can use them practically. So the practical exercises would be things like measuring your ins- your insulation types, so different insulation, measuring your insulation. And fitting it and it's like so it's really like we're in a factory environment so make make mistakes and learn mm-hmm. learn in the factory environment so if there's gaps and, and then you know uh, applying the vapor control over um also over like pipes and services mm-hmm. so grommets and taping so these are the kind of exercises but there's just real kind of learning behind so it's because there's four different solutions why why those solutions I, that you know that's the way it is and we've had like when we've had training happening you know sometimes contracts. so but we'll just do it this way and that meets the standard that's fine and but more than me you might have to use a different type of insulation you might have to use you know it might be a different timber construction type so it's just it's all these kind of little learnings that happen in, in the same in the environment and in, in the rigs but we also have small tabletop rigs as well so just you know the small cubes so the teams can go on and, and develop and do this Practical aspects there as well.
1: I think it's um, a key thing for anybody who designs in this sphere t- to take on as well, because the the most the kind of the stuff that resonates the most with you as somebody who draws things when you when you're just detailing and you're sitting there in an office or at your desk using CAD or BIM or whatever it is that you're using drawing Mm. these abstract lines. And you're like, and there's my vapour barrier and there's this and there's that. And you take it to site and you're like, oh yeah, how did they actually attach the vapour barrier to the wall in that point? And I'm asking somebody to do something that is physically probably quite impractical. Like, so how you do that? Because I've done a bit of hands-on, Like, we we did this um, wiki house building recently in my practice. And um, so it's all sort of laser cut plywood assembly plywood, come yes. on cassettes and you yeah. kind of stick them all together it's a bit like oversized lego and then we had to make it airtight and oh, so wow. you know it was amazing getting in and actually like i went down and i was like saying to the uh the two the team that we worked with was pulp build and saying to them like okay i'm coming down for a few weeks to just like be hands-on like help. You and I'm not sure how much they were like. Oh, great! And I checked with Notions, but it was it was just being able to actually do the taping and realize what it is that you're asking and like how you reach spaces that are, are funny and how you actually create that airtightness layer. And when you're designing your services, that you understand why it's important to get all those things in, in the right layer. And so that you're making it actually your, I guess my point is, is that if you can have some of the physical training, but you can visualize what you're asking people to do, because you look at it, buildings, they're built by people. So if you understand what it is to actually put those things together, then you're assisting with this performance gap that we talk about so often in buildings, which is like, fine, you've designed it, but it wasn't actually very practical to build. Mm-hmm. So the performance gap isn't solely on the, on the shoulders of the contractor, actually. It's also on the designer. And the way to bridge part of that is through this sort of skills. And it resonates with you. You do it once physically and it's with you. You can yeah. look at a detail 200 times over the space of 10 years and still get it wrong because it's just this abstract thing that doesn't really mean anything. Um, so I think having that approach is, is, is so engaging and so valuable far more valuable than some sort of some ways of teaching those sorts of details. Yeah. Be and, it,
3: and the rigs, we've got, you know, the vapour control layer and the, and the CLT on the outside because people want this exposed timber on the inside because it, uh-huh. you know, it looks lovely. Um, but also things like what you said is really, I found really important, like people, you know, draw that, draw that red line, that share mm. tightness, but then actually in, in practice, mm. you know, it, you, you see, you know, this neat, nice, lo- lovely, beautiful drawn, but how do, how, do how you
1: do does that, that <laughs> I mean, we did it here. So in our flat thing, we we, we did what I suppose you would call a sort of a, a halfway retrofit before we knew what we were talking about a few years ago. And we like had got some tapes because we were going to, we had new windows and we were going to tape them and we were going to try and do that. And when the tapes arrived and we looked at the installation, situation and like that's never going to work because this retrofit like the windows are not in the right place the wall is not quite what the drawing would look (laughs) like it's sort of learning with your hands I mean I actually just did I I just did my passive house designer exam yesterday so when you're talking about the red line I'm like oh (laughs) that's congratulations (laughs) <laughs> well, don't speak too soon. I said I did the exam. <laughs> but what's interesting, just to circle back on what we were talking about, why is the private sector and the public sector like, where is that? In my cohort, at least half of the people doing the course were design managers. So they're like mm-hmm. contractor side. Um And I think historically it tends to be more designer side that come to do it but it's really engaging then to see that actually it's people on both sides and actually a lot Mm -hmm. of those design managers had been doing some of the installer training as well so that's coming from the private sector this demand for realizing that clients want this and contractors want this and you know councils are having to come down harder on the standards that they're demanding for their projects Mm -hmm. as well so and actually as you said you've either got to be with it or you'll get left behind Mm -hmm. because that's where it's going. It's only going yeah.
3: that way. And so many local authorities I know in Scotland are coming together as well. So they're looking at their existing assets. So I think there's like five local authorities at like East Ayrshire, Edinburgh, Fife and a couple others. And they're looking at their existing assets. They're all taking different building types and they're all finding solutions for retrofit.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
3: they'll, they'll share that knowledge with each other because they, they know that they've got to find these solutions. They can't do it themselves so that they're, they're, they're working together, which is fantastic. I've just pulled up the, the retrofit rig, I was going to just give you an insight into what it's going to be.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> so we've got, got a have... cavity
3: wall, yeah. Um, I was uh, going to
1: say when um, when Alex was asking about the rigs, and I was thinking I uh, probably don't have a retrofit rig yet, or if you do, it's probably not the ones, we're like...
3: de- yeah, just designing it. So, yeah, um, Barbara yeah. sent through the sketches um last week, so it's going to be a cavity cavity brick wall and then we're going to have options for two kind of two halves one external cladding and insulation and yeah. then one looking at it internally and yeah. then um just a timber pitched roof as yeah, well and yeah. we'll hope to have a timber suspended floor but i don't know if we'll have that separate We'll figure it yeah. out. <laughs>
1: it's so it's so interesting it's it's so uh yeah I could just spend so much time just like playing with things. Maybe I should just come and do some training.
3: I'll send you the. I'll send you our links. There's loads as well. Yeah. So we're just about to launch a new, a new training another training program. Brilliant. Fabric and structure, which is more looking at fabric first, insulation, carbon accounting, and timber, mass timber.
1: That's that's brilliant. I mean, that's what we need. And I think what um, would be great to do as well is to. Like, see how this goes. And, like, in another six months or nine months, come back on and yeah. let's see how that is going. It's not always like a, yeah. a one off thing, is it? It's like if you're growing something and it would be great to. You know check back in and see how that no i think
3: that'd be uh, fantastic because uh, this is we see low carbon learning as our program and then the projects projects within within that no that would be fantastic
2: i had um, another question or well, what it's not really a question i wanted to ask you because one of the things that we discussed when we were you and i talking about this podcast was yeah. saying that training is really important and even sarah remember you said when we met at uh, uh, future build you said that we should really be investing in training and only training that's sort of the the only thing where you know uh, investment should be going into really um if you were to make the case for, and I know we've been sort of doing this in our chat, but if you were to make the case for the importance of training, what would you say to to people listening about why is it so important to train? Basically, everyone. <laughs> that's a bit of a <laughs> I mean, question, Sally. You answer it. Yeah, uh,
3: no, I mean I think that's a it's a hard question for me, but I think like for me. Having studied architecture and been through that, you're all like you're always learning, aren't you? And just to always, you know, and the construction industry is always continually changing. Changing, you know, ten years ago it was like building information modelling was the big thing, and everyone was was, was uh, jumping on that. So it, I think it's the training it, you're learning about construction, which is just so exciting and fantastic. It's got so many different areas like that a person can can really focus on one particular area, whether it's construct whether it's digital or construction or, you know, um materials. You know, you could just focus on construction materials, natural materials. Um, but obviously we, we're, you know, we're on this kind of we're all on this path into trying and to try and reduce reducing our carbon footprint and we can do that through construction. So we need that's that would be so important to upskill to do that to achieve that well an
1: equally an equally big answer to a big question but I think that's exactly the point isn't it it's exactly for, for doing that thank you so much for coming on and I know me. immediately after we finish this all I'm going to be on there checking out like what the training is how yeah. soon <laughs> I, I can come to do, do some <laughs> no that'd be fantastic that'd be excellent no thank you